What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to just throw this in in the beginning. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That really helps our numbers. Check out the merch store at brennantcomedy.com slash merch store to get your ex-drinking buddy merch. And if you really want to, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash brennantassif. That really helps me out. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Grab me a beer and grab him a coat. We about to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tess, here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tess, here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tess, here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. There's going to be a graphic there. I swear to God, I put it in post. It's a very pretty graphic. My name is Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do. Hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble, and then reminisce about those crazy stories. I am sober now, but it is still one of my favorite things to do. Hang out with someone and reminisce about the crazy old days. Most weeks I will be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from New York City, Sam Bilski. <sighs> yeah, it's good to be here. I, uh, do you uh, go by Sam or Samuel? You, I go by Sam. I mean, Samuel, it's like I won't correct people, but it'll yeah. irritate me. Well, I noticed... Yeah. Uh, well. B- b- Happenstance, I noticed that on your social media, it's Samuel, so that's why I was kind of Yeah, I like to really be uh, make no sense when I do things. I got it. Plug everything up front. Let everybody know Um, social media. Yeah, my Instagram's just Samuel Bilski, and uh, I have a TikTok, too, and I don't have a podcast. I have two episodes on my YouTube, if you want to watch them, and I never followed through, so. What was the podcast? Um, It was a fake radio call-in podcast. Okay. It was just too tough to find people to, like, pretend to be characters, and uh, I'm also just... I guess I'm just lazy. I've started like four different podcasts, so I'm not. I'm Dude, not. I have three right now, all going, and the one man show. Oh uh, well, that's a, yeah. I, I'm kind of lazy, so well, it's exhausting. Yeah, like it's so interesting to me because I moved to New York for stand up, and every day it's like oh, I got to fucking do the podcast. Like I got to figure out the podcast stuff, that's and I'm like they, I'm not even doing stand up anymore. <laughs> well, that's how they do it now. Everybody's got a podcast. That's 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 where people find things on the yeah. internet. You know. So I wanted to get uh, I wanted to, it's your first time on the show. I wanted the listeners to get to know you a little bit. So you're not originally from New York. In fact, when we first met, it was like probably six or eight months ago. Uh, you were in town from L.A. Yeah. So, I mean, a little bit of background and, you know, just to give like maybe more of an abridged version. But, um, you know, how I ended up in New York is I uh, lived in New York in 2014. 20- uh, and we'll get into that obviously a little bit later. I was I was homeless in New York from 2014 to 2016. Two years. Two that years. Means you're really trying. Yeah, I was I was really uh, it was it was good. Um, it was uh, <laughs> good. Exp- I recommend it. I think everybody should be homeless in New York for at least a couple of years. Same way people should work in the service industry for a couple of years. You should be homeless for yeah, a couple of years. Absolutely. It, it adds character. My good buddy Matt Folstron has a whole bit about it. If you're not homeless, you're not trying. Yeah, like that. I think that it, that that is a level of commitment to what you love. Uh, <laughs> Were you doing comedy when you were homeless? No, 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 oh. no, no. I mean, that would be great. I'd be like, who here is crack cocaine? You know, that would be uh, that would be the better way to go about it, I think. But I didn't do that. Instead, I just did what, you know, I just kind of just stood on a corner, just kind of like, you know. Homeless, yeah. Homeless, doing what, doing what crackheads do. And um, and so then uh, I, I, I basically had a friend from college who 
um and and you know for the people listening like austin texas is, is a very happen place and even yeah. in 2016 it was but my level of ignorance to the state of texas in general was i had a friend who lived in austin texas and i thought it was just a desert like, oh, I thought really? it was like horses and uh like cowboy hats and so um i had like a total mental breakdown and got on a a plane to Austin, Texas, and um, just a one-way trip. Okay. And my friend picked me up from the 6th Street where the bars are, and I was like, I live here now. And she's like, what? So I didn't know where I was going to stay, but, I, you know, so. <laughs> I live here now. Yeah, so I, I ended up, like, uh, just getting sober there, and then um, I guess, like, the path to New York was I started comedy in Austin. Started doing it. Um, I liked it, and then. Um, and this was in 16? This was, no. This was, I started 20 end of 2019 2018 2018 and um yeah i started and then um was was kind of like you know at first i was doing what a lot of people do i was going like one or what i open you know i was like dipping my toe in the water yeah yeah absolutely. and then for whatever reason it like i just started to really enjoy it and i was going all out and then COVID happened this is how la starts and i was like this is the perfect time to move to los angeles uh, when everything is shut down, there's a theme of 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 me just making very impulsive, life changing decisions <laughs> uh, that have no thought. Even like moving to New York, yeah, is funny. Um, and then yeah, then I I was in um, I was in L. A. for uh, three years, and then I was there for the most part during COVID. And then because L.A. was like shut down, shut down. For, yeah, I'm from we the were... south and Florida. I remember I got COVID at a show in December of 2020. Like, we were all open back up. Yeah, no, we weren't. I mean, we were, like, doing shows in, like, parks to homeless people. And we were like, we're doing it. That's we're how we doing it. We were like, we're going to make it. We're the real ones. And um, I started running a popular show out there with, with a friend of mine called Stoop Kids, which was, like, in the pandemic. It was outdoors. And we were selling it out. And yeah. so I sort of was kind of got lucky because I was able to sort of forego a lot of those like people just assumed I had been in L.A. for a long time uh-huh. because of that. And things were going, you know, well, because the show was going so well, people just thought you were there. Yeah. So then, like, once things started to open back up, you know, I was getting I was getting booked more and, um, you know, and, and so I was able to avoid all the, the pitfalls of like a new comedian. Yeah. And then um, things were going well. I, I was uh, doing a lot of shows. Uh, I was doing a show at a lot of spots at this club called the Nightcap and Burbank okay. um, which you know is a shout out to them and then shout out Nightcap Nightcap great comedy club and um, basically um, you know when I visited New York I just had this itch to move back because I feel like the first time I was here <laughs> <laughs> I just find it hilarious where you're like I gotta come back home where I didn't have a home before yeah I was like yeah maybe maybe New York might be fun if you're not uh, homeless and doing drugs all the time because at that point you're quite a few years sober yeah I had like six years or whatever and so I started visiting you know um, visiting New York a couple times a year and I, I, I fell into that trap a lot of people do when they visit a town which is like I'm doing like three spots a night it's gonna be yeah. like this and then you know I, I talked to enough people that they were like, yeah, it's not really going to be like that. Once you move there, people are going to be like, okay, you're here now. But I decided to do it anyways. And so then, yeah, I moved here like literally two months ago. And so that's that's the roundabout. There's a lot of stuff in between, but that's yeah. the bridge version. Well, I mean, it's, it's awesome that you even uh, – that you came here because I remember – and that's the weird thing about social media and just kind of this industry in general is I got here and then within the first – like six months to a year because i knew one person who's mm-hmm. my co-host on the other podcast matt Folsheron. huge shout out to him 
I mean, I as far as in the industry, like had credits, like was a, a fucking he's a real deal. Let's go comic. And he was the only one in that like level that I knew. And there are so many war stories I hear about people moving to a certain city and they know one or two people and then they get here and the people are like, well, like I can't. I'm not a booker like I'm a con like I can't put you up everywhere. But Matt was true to his word and like helped me like find like introduce me to people and help me find people uh, for the podcast. So it was weird. Like you're saying with your show kind of taking off because I've had certain people on the podcast, other comics, especially at open mics, just assume like I'm somebody and sometimes and I'm, I'm definitely not. I'm nobody. So it's just that weird thing where it's like, oh, no, like I've only been in New York like a year and a half. Like I don't know anything about what's going on. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I mean, if you go, I mean, Manhattan seems pretty like and this is my observation. Manhattan just seems pretty on par with what you'd imagine. And then you yeah. go to like Brooklyn and it's like a lot of 23 year olds that are like you know they they are like they like talking they're like Gen Zers and they like I'm I'm just like I have no clue what you're talking about most <laughs> of the time you know you go, there's like a lot of like white bisexual women with boyfriends yeah um, yeah it's kind of it's an interesting place but I like it down there it's cool it makes me feel old which I need you know well I I stopped doing mics in Brooklyn because my first like week here. I did a mic at the Tiny Cupboard. Huge shout out to Tiny Cupboard. Love that place. But I did a mic and I came off stage and a female comic came up to me and she goes, you can't tell that. I did. A I told a story, which is in my one man show, but it's, it's a go to story that I have because it's pretty funny about being incarcerated with another person. And the guy was like, oh, you're you're white. You went to college like you're going to get out tomorrow. And then I went in front of the judge and he said nine months. But in the story, this guy's name, his name is Tyrone. We're still friends on Facebook and stuff. And I say that and I get off stage. She goes, you can't tell that story or you have to change the, at least you have to change his name. And I go, what do you mean? And she goes, you're just perpetuating stereotypes because you made it a black guy named Tyrone. And I say, I never said the word black ever. Yeah. I, I, we all have a white friend named Tyrone. Well, well with the, <laughs> when that Tyrone, he's from the suburbs of Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> but when that happened, I was just like, oh, this is what everyone was talking about in the South when they're like, oh, you're going to move to New York. You're not going to be able. And so I just stopped going to Mike's in Brooklyn. And then it was kind of weird because that was one of the first things that happened. It was kind of my opinion of that entire scene, which isn't true because I've done no, shows there not. since. But it's just like, how fucked is that timing where it's like it happens to be the first mic I went to in Brooklyn and that's what happened. There's a certain kind of person like uh, the, the majority of the comedians that I meet there are very funny and they're, they're maybe like I guess a little bit more alty than you would. But there's like very funny comedians that like do tell like different jokes and stories. But then there's like in every scene even even in Manhattan you'll run into like it's always like a white woman for some reason. Yeah. They're like people that you would, would probably like you'd imagine they're not very fun at parties you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like that's that's kind of like the way it is i'm not trying to hate or whatever i just remember like uh you know like basically like you would in la it would happen all the time it'd be like a, a white girl that would be the first half of her set would be about how tough it is to be a queer woman and then the second half about of her set would be about her boyfriend of like 10 years yeah which i was like okay like pick one or the other you know i'm not yeah. saying that i'm not like not trying to gatekeep you or whatever but I got off. Tra I think I got off track. Yeah. So we were talking about you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 have, I have a real vendetta against a specific version of white women. So I, I, I kind of let it out, man. Time let to time. And I have no, no shame to bring that out there because, um, 
you know, who gives a shit? But yeah, so I mean, when I moved to New York, I kind of knew that all right. Enough people had warned me. They're like, look, you visited. You're, it's not going to be, you know, whatever. And so, you know, I kind of knew that. So it wasn't really disappointing. You know, I think it's the excitement of, of having a new experience in the city that yeah. that is keeps me, you know, more or less, you know, kind of motivated. And, and it really feels like a like a, a good place for me to be. And being in L.A. for, you know, three, three and a half, four years um, I learned a lot about the, the different, like the industry side of things. Yeah, that, and that's a huge part of it. I tell people all the time, like there's the old saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know, which isn't, it cannot be more true with what we do in entertainment. Yeah, but we, I, I think that for me, it was more, I didn't like the industry constantly being a factor. Yeah. Where like, I feel like here, I've- Is that how it is in LA? It, to me, it feels that way in comedy because it's not everybody, but- you're going to meet people that, and you've probably heard a, a billion stories about it. Like you meet people that their sole purpose is to network and find out who oh, can help them and what. I've talked about this on the show before because at my job at the steakhouse I work at, we have a lot of celebrities and like people that come in. And sometimes, especially if they're comics, I will bring up that I do comedy at the end of the meal after everything's done. Cause I'm a fucking professional, mm-hmm. but I will bring it up because I'm like, Oh, we have this one little thing in common. And people at work sometimes are always just like, oh, you're just trying to like, oh, like I want to befriend this person so they can help me. And I go, no, I just I'm genuinely empathetic and curious. So I'm like, no, I want to kind of just talk to them because I value what they do. Like, I don't care about anything for me. And then but, but it's like a weird thing where I've been I'm around people at work where they just automatically assume I'm obsessed with like, oh, I got to fucking kill people to like climb the ladder. And it's like, no, I just think what they do is awesome. And I wanted to talk to them about it. Yeah, they're probably very nice. Like there, there's people that are like, and you know, they're probably going to be more successful than I am because they are like networking and trying to make friends with the right people. And, you know, I guess I, I I just couldn't really stand that to a certain extent, I'd started to just get really taxing mm-hmm. to cons. I felt like I was constantly thinking about entertainment, comedy, like this and that. And I, it wasn't real. I like, I miss talking to like real, just people that like, cause the majority of people in New York that are here, like the finance people and these like professionals are kind of the Kings here. Yeah. Oh yeah. So the most of the people you interact with, they like have normal jobs. They like talk about normal things. They have normal interests. Whereas I, I felt like it was just getting taxing being around my whole life now. But with that being said, like it was still a very tough decision. I mean, there was a lot of things I loved about living in L.A. It was uh, the comedy scene there was better than I think a lot of people give it credit for. Like the comedians were funny and people give it credit for. So it was a tough decision because it was kind of like I could stay and be perfectly fine. Yeah. But I did feel like, you know, just just um, when I turned and I'm 31. So when I turned 30, I was I was sort of had that thought. I was like. You know, I could stay here for for the next twenty years and probably be fine, but I might regret not trying yeah. something else out that I wanted to do. And so, it was more of a bucket list thing moving here. And then, yeah, so I mean, moving here is like basically just made an Instagram story, and I was like, peace out and later. I I mean, I love it. I it was between New York and L.A., and then my ex Savannah like was obsessed with New York. And I was like, I don't know, because I'd never been here as an as an adult. I came once when I was like fourteen with my family. Um, but that was it. So I'd never been to New York as a grown up, especially as a comic. And I remember when we first started dating, she got us uh, tickets to come to New York just as like a gift for me, like a uh, Christmas present. 
And as soon as I came off the subway, I go, oh, no, it's New York. It's not L.A. It's New York. It's just that energy in the city and that kind of because I'm a naturally anxious person. And the thing I love about New York is there's so much going on. I can't always be in my own head. Because like in LA, I, I know a lot of people talk about you're in your car all the time and doing this. And like, I would just like think myself to death. I did it back home in Florida, like where I was just always worried about everything. But in New York, it's like a lot of times I don't even wear my headphones. I don't even turn my headphones on because there's so much happening around me where I'm like, I can't even like, I just want to focus on what's going on, which yeah. is what I love about the city. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, um, I'm not, I'm not like disgruntled about, there was like a lot of really uh, funny, uh, and just supportive comedians in LA, in LA and obviously it's different in the sense of of that the the majority of the shows that most people are going to be doing on a regular basis aren't going to be club shows yeah they're going to be like the independent shows and like alternative venues because there's there's really only a handful of real comedy clubs in la that that people could that's accessible to people at a certain level yeah so um so that was like the other cool thing was was seeing how um these different people they they bring a, a production quality that i can't really seem to do because i'm kind of dumb and i you know so i don't even know how like business business stuff i'm bad at like i'll produce a show and get like five people there and i'll lose like two hundred dollars yeah like, what what did i just do i just this is a bad decision you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're you're talking to the fucking king of that man i uh like i was telling you before the mics went on i know the listeners have heard it a million times but i was like oh i'll just produce my own like I have so much to say and some of it's not funny, but I want to tell my story. So I'll just produce my own one man show. And then thousands of dollars later, nobody's really watched it. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. You got to spend money to make money in some cases. And sometimes you got to spend money to lose all your money. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's just it. That's all that happens. You just lose your money. So I wanted to talk about how you got into uh, stand up in the first place. You said this happened in Austin and you had gotten sober before, correct? Uh, I got sober. Yeah. So I had, God, I think two and a few years sober, two years, two and a half years sober. And um, I was doing the the things people do when they typically get sober. You're running around, you're hanging around a lot of sober people. Yeah. And uh, you're being brainwashed and. You know, all the normal stuff the that whole happens thing. when you get sober. And you're hanging out with, like, a lot of people, and you're very invested in the recovery community, which is great initially. And then, you know, at a certain point, you're like, well, this isn't really all I want to do. And I wasn't really thinking about doing stand-up. I'm kind of embarrassed to say because a lot of people are like, I watched it as a kid. Yeah. I mean, I feel like deep down maybe I did because I, it was hard for me to watch stand-up specials. I think I feel like I would get jealous. I'd be like, you know, whatever. My brother, I have a twin brother, he was always very interested in stand-up. Okay. <clears throat> and so... Um, basically I, I had a friend, does he do stand up? No, he doesn't. Um, is he pissed that you're in New York doing stand up? No, he's, he's like uh. the nicest guy in the world. It would be funny if he's like, fuck my brother, you know? Uh, no, he's, uh, he's that like, was my <laughs> dream. You piece of shit. He's like, he's stealing my dream. And, and, um, he's like living in Memphis with my dad. And I'm like, uh, sorry, sorry man. man. No, he's um, incredibly supportive. Like one of like a really good, really good supportive bro- he probably shouldn't be so supportive yeah. because of how much of an asshole i was for 24 years of my life but some people they just you know yeah some people are just yeah so he was interested in it and i just had kind of like thought about it he had mentioned that he tried a couple open mics uh, my friend justin um who at the time we're not we had kind of a falling out over something really silly but um he was like let's go to this open mic it was at kick butt coffee and this is in austin in austin okay so they still have a mic there i think um shout out kick butt coffee yeah kick butt coffee good uh good venue to do three minutes in front of a bunch of disgruntled uh comedians yeah and i went up and bombed yeah i mean like really bad it was like it was hurtful how bad it was (laughs) 
<laughs> it like hurt my feelings. And um, so then I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to do, so I was putting my toe and I was very nervous because I felt like at the time in Austin, like the comics that had been around, I, you, they, they, when you're new in comedy in a lot of scenes, particularly smaller scenes, people are not going to be friendly. They're not receptive. They're not receptive. They're like, you got to earn our respect to do. I mean, minutes. I hate to say it because I always try to be like, oh, I love comics. I love all comics. But I mean, I was that way in Jacksonville where someone would show up and especially if they did pretty well for their first time, I'd be like, fuck this guy. Fuck this yeah. girl. Like, fuck yeah. them. <laughs> like, they don't know how hard it is. And then after they bomb like two or three times, you're kind of like, all right, all right, you can come into the circle. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it was, it, there was about a year and I, I get it now because a lot of people try it. They quit. Yeah. Like they, they expect things quickly and undeservedly or whatever, you know, all that stupid stuff. And um, I, I do the same thing now. But at the time I was like. It made me nervous. So the more popular mics I wasn't going to, I was going to this mic on Saturdays called the Love Goat. Okay. It was a bar. Yeah. It's known to be like the shittiest open mic in Austin. For whatever reason, I loved it. And I don't know why. I guess I liked it because you could just show up. I'd like go up like first every time. Yeah. You know, I don't even know why because now I'm like, that was probably not a good thing. I would go up there and tell a bad joke. Uh, or three three minutes of bad joke. It'd be like two minutes. I'd be like, "Do what? Did I get the light yet?" And they'd be like, "No, you got like another minute and a half." And it'd be like a minute and a half. Felt like I was up there forever. Yeah. And uh, you know that's what I did. And then um, started some showcases that I did there. And then COVID happened. So shortly after I started, maybe a year after I started, and and um, COVID happened. And then that's when I I moved to Los Angeles. So so how did the show in LA? Get, you said it kind of gained some steam. How did that even happen? Was it just by accident, or because people in LA were being like, kind of like, I don't want to leave my house. I'm being a true. This is how I'm going to save the world. Is I'm going to sit yeah. in my house and watch Tiger King. They're being heroes. They're yeah. being heroes by jerking off inside. Yeah, and I'm. I was never anti-COVID, but I was like, I'm not going to sit in my studio apartment. I just moved here. I know absolutely nobody. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out ways to do it, and um, at the time in los angeles like people who were doing mics were like being like publicly shamed oh yeah and I nobody knew who i was so i avoided a lot of that and i wasn't really doing anything that would have been dangerous to COVID. it was all outside so the first person i met the very first person i met was this guy kevin and um i met him at a parking lot mic literally yeah. in a parking lot of like flies fries electronics okay i know fries it, it, i don't even think that place that that place shut down yeah um, but it was in a parking lot, and I met him. He was the first person I met. And I, so I called him. I was like, "Let's. Uh, I'm going to try. want to start a show. Do you want to go door-to-door to these businesses and ask if we can start an outdoor show? And then we found a place. Um, and then it kind of Did you literally go door-to-door to businesses to ask? Yeah, because I that's kind of like what my job was for a long time. Okay. So I was like sort of comfortable with that. Oh, okay. So I was like walking in. And this place let us do it. And then we started doing it. We come up with names. And then for whatever reason, like um, we were all the bigger comedians at the time were like looking to do spots. Yeah, because there was nothing open. Right. So there were all these like so we were able to get these good lineups and then um, it grew. And then um, that we ended that show about a year in because, you know, it's just tough to work with your friend. Yeah. So we ended up we were like the friendship's more important. So I started a different show now, which I I've, I ran, which was popular in, in L.A. because I used what I had learned. It was called Fat Set Comedy. I guess plug Fat Set Comedy, which will have shows in New York and L.A. Hell yeah. And, yeah, that was kind of it. So, you know, when I moved to L.A., I had this show. 
and so I was trading spots, which I know like people some to some people aren't against that. But for me, because I was so new into stand up at the time, it was like crucial for me to like do that. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I that happens with the show sometimes is when I hear someone has a show that they're running, I'll be like, come on the podcast to promote it. And genuinely, I know this is there's no way I can say this without it sounding false, but genuinely, I'm like, just come on to promote it. But, you know, seven times out of 10, I'd say 70 percent of the time they go, they'll talk about it. And then afterwards, they go, oh, do you want to do the show? Mm-hmm. And it's like I didn't do that on purpose, but it's crucial because without having something tangible to trade in. A lot of times people are just like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, people say don't trade spots. You know, like and I guess it, you don't want to trade spots with people you don't like or find funny. And I think yeah, that makes that's sense. True. But uh, how else? Like it's like when people say I don't get booked. Well, do you ask? Do you submit to shows? Yeah. Like, no, it's like well nobody's gonna go to that's you know, an open mic and be like you're it. You that's know? that's I guess that's kind of the point I was making was that it's it makes it a tangible thing that I can like. It gives me an excuse to talk to other comics about yeah. comedy and stuff. And get to know them a little yeah. bit. Which is that, you know, people are going to work with people who they like at the end of the day. 100%. So um, so basically, that's the long and the short of it. It built from there. And then um, in L.A., I I started doing spots. Regularly, like 12 spots a month at the pl- place called The Nightcap. I had okay. my show that was two shows a month. Plus uh, a handful of other things that I was doing. So I was getting a lot. A that's lot, a lot. Yeah, you're time. going. And so then it was about three years into stand-up when I was starting to get more stage time in front of real audiences, somebody, a friend of mine was like, you got some funny bits, but start really trying to talk about your life. Cause you have a lot of interesting things. And then that's when it really, I really felt like I, I started to get a lot more momentum in terms of my act and like yeah. getting booked and stuff. Well, we're going to talk about it right now. Let's talk about the life. Let's do it. Um, so when did you, you are sober now you've been sober for coming on seven years. Yeah. Now, right? Seven years in October. That's awesome, man. I just got five, which is cool. Nice. Uh, I mean, I, I win a little bit. I don't know what, like, you, why. I don't, win. I, I don't know why. I, I feel, that's the way my brain goes. I'm like, I'm, you want to know what's hilarious is I know people like back home where they could, they had like, I know one person who had like 12 years and then went back out. And then when they came back in, I'm not going to lie. This is, I guess, ego, which is bad. But I was talking to them like they were like a brand new person who had never been in LA. And this is a person who was like sponsoring my friends and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, you like judge them literally like, six like, months you'll, prior. You'll get it this time. <laughs> 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 I was like, like I, I'm rooting for you, kid. I was like, ah, come on, you know. <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, so should I go to like, uh, which, uh, no, they said something like, yeah, I think I'm going to hit like one or two meetings this week. And I was like, you know, you're brand new. You should be hitting like 90 meetings Call in 90 me every days. day at 10 a.m. <laughs> or you're going to shoot heroin into your neck. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you, when did you even start? drinking because you said you were you were talking about crack earlier so i want to get there but how did this even start because um, where are you originally from so born and raised in detroit Michigan. i had a feeling with the hat yeah um it would be funny if i'm like ah, i'm from big Virginia, fan of Eminem. but i yeah. just like yeah eight mile it was my love was some my, shady man yeah um no <laughs> eight mile was my schindler's list yeah <laughs> yeah eight mile was in a way schindler's list and eight mile are the same um <laughs> And uh, I, I can't find a good a good reference. No, that. Can no, I? No, no, no. Oh, there's factories. I should have gone with Shawshank. Yeah, factories. I should have gone with Shawshank Redemption. That would have been better. Yeah, because uh, it's like you're in a prison when you're in Eight Mile. You know, yeah, Eight Mile's fine. It's uh, long. yeah, you're from there. It's a yeah. long road. You could be in the ghetto or in like Farmington Hills, which is a very local suburb. Shout uh, out Farmington far- Hills. Shout out Farmington Hills. Born and raised in Detroit, so alcoholism was around my entire my family my entire life. Yeah. 
my mom was in and out of sobriety. Um, all of my uncles on my mom's side, in and out of sobriety, drug addict, sober, whatever. Like some were, some have been sober since before I was born. Some are still drinking. Yeah, active alcoholics, and so it was around me. And so I didn't really avoid drinking. It's just I wasn't around it. I was never like the popular kid. I wasn't going to parties. Um, my first addiction, I guess you could say. Um, was like video games so my mom um, was in a mental institution for anorexia and, and some other stuff for two years from eighth grade to for my freshman year of high school and so I hibernated I played a lot of video games I couldn't go hours with I was playing till four in the morning I was like I was it's weird how you can get addicted to that yeah kind of my first addiction right what was your what was your uh, game of choice like, hey at the time it was like Halo was okay. like the big Halo yeah. 3 and Halo 2 like Xbox Xbox 360 fucking we're an Xbox household baby yeah I got an Xbox at home and I was doing the MLG circuit like the the competitive stuff oh so you were like playing you were... I was like super nerd at the time yeah it was like before it was cool like yeah the people were like this is fucking losers like playing now like you know kids are getting blowjobs playing xbox i know that's a whole lane on fucking. it's a whole like Pornhub lane yeah, yeah. which i went out you the know the gamer girl and stuff yeah so i might whole follow thing. a couple of them on instagram there you go um it's, that's that's a man after my own heart you know, tell you that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i yeah i mean I, it, it was the addiction and then i didn't really drink for the first time i think i was 17 and my friend Nick and I drank uh, an entire bottle of Captain Morgan spiced rum. Yeah. So gross. And to this day, if I smell it, I'll puke. I got really? so drunk. In fact, I think I had um, alcohol poisoning because I felt sick for the three days prior. Yeah. There was a lot of tumultu tumultuousness at home, so I wasn't home a lot. My dad was depressed. My mom was out of the picture, you know, for the most part. Um, and so I Did, was were avoiding you, it. I was running. Basically. Yeah. Were you... This is bringing up to that running point were you scared because of growing up in a household around addicts when your friend nick brought over the the bottle of rum were you nervous were you scared were you like i can't do this or were you just like yeah i'm gonna drink with my friends because it's a completely different perspective coming at it from someone who has a, a family has a history of being in programs and recovery and stuff like that yeah i mean my dad would always say like be careful because you know you know it's in the family history and this yeah. and that so you were aware i was aware that it was a possibility but i didn't think it would happen to me yeah like a lot of people so i got really drunk that one time really i smoked more weed in high school because it was easier to get than how alcohol. did you start doing weed uh, my friend nick again um, okay nick's, Fucking nick, man. <laughs> nick's been sober 10 years now so that's uh, awesome so he be beats both of us yeah he does um but he uh yeah he was smoking weed with him you know, and then uh, went to college. And Where did you go to college? Kansas State University. Kansas State. K-State. Uh, Little Apple. Uh, fun fact. Manhattan, Kansas. Oh, is it? They say that there. I don't know. That's what is a, Kansas State is Wildcats? Yeah, the Wildcats. Yeah. So I went to Kansas State. And then um, the very first thing I wanted to do, I was like, I want to go to a party and I want to get wasted. And yeah. I achieved that. I went to. Uh, Had you not drinking in between the 17 year old Captain Morgan incident and then going to Kansas I drank State? Two or three times. OK, but it prior. wasn't like you weren't like, OK, here we go. Right. I was smoking more weed. Yeah. And then I went to college, went to my first party. And then I, I'll, I remember this specifically because I didn't know how to order a drink. So I was like, I'll have a vodka Coke. Which, for those of you guys that are listening, know that's disgusting. The guy yeah. was like, are you sure you want a vodka Coke? And I was like, yes. 
because I want to sound like I knew what I was doing. He's like, okay. And I chug it. I, I drink and I black out. Like the cops broke up the party. They broke, they always break them up in these college towns. Yeah. I blacked out, woke up and I was like, yes. And so that was like ha- what I did for a long time was I was like partying in college. But are you still playing games? No, no, I stopped. Cause I was like, oh, there's, uh, there's people here I can sleep with. So, um, and there's party. Well, alcohol really was like my main focus at that point. Yeah. So, um, weirdly enough, um, I didn't really go too out of control in college for the most part. I had a girlfriend at the time. Oh, curveball. And, um, and so I, we started dating sophomore year and okay. she was more of a homebody. So I wasn't really going out a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. When I turned 21, that's when like issues started. Yeah. So I, I was like blacking out like one time in college, I blacked out 12, 14 hours straight really just blacked out like i couldn't account for my whereabouts for hours i woke up i had facebook chatted my girlfriend's sister talking shit about my girlfriend bad move don't do that wouldn't recommend it yeah um the sisters they talk to each other yeah it was really and i was posting on her wall like in her facebook wall this is like aging me because nobody yeah. does this shit anymore we actually but- i just had a guest on <laughs> that'll come out in a couple of weeks he was talking about the same thing he's like you remember the wall the wall yeah, on yeah, facebook? I, I was insulting her on her facebook wall i woke up at four o'clock in the afternoon my phone was gone my wallet was gone i ha- i guess i had my keys but i don't know where my car was i didn't drive it apparently but weirdly was smart about that and uh, woke up covered in mud, scrapes, and like I, it was like f- six o'clock in the evening. Yeah, I was still blacked out at eight, nine in the morning. Wow. At one point, so that should have been my first sign. Yeah. But I was like, I'm not now. You know, I didn't, I didn't think I was. And then there was subsequently like a few more things. I went to a uh, my the, the summer before I graduated because I graduated in December of 2014. Um, What'd you major in? political science okay hey yeah shouts out it's useless major yeah uh, don't i know it yeah so political science is that is that what you made okay political science and then my minors in american history oh there you go very i was gonna go to law school (laughs) that was my plan too but i had a 2.3 gpa yeah what was your but it was funny because i playing football they let us pick our classes and i loved political like i took political science as like an elective like some political class and i was like oh this is because i was originally in business and i was like oh this is way fucking more fun than business you know growing up especially with a a child of divorce you play politics since your parents get divorced like you're always playing sides and stuff yeah so i was like oh i'm good at politics so i switched my major like right into my freshman year and so i took because i was playing football i was able to register early for classes so i took all these like high level political science classes got them all out of the way my freshman and sophomore year so then as a so my gpa was pretty good and then as a junior i stopped playing football became addicted to drugs and alcohol and then I had to take all these prerequisite classes that I didn't take freshman and sophomore year that I thought were bullshit, so I just wouldn't show up. So my GPA went from like a three six to like a one nine. <laughs> nice. It fucking went. Yeah, I love that, and it's like the easier class. I mean, some classes sound well, be- easy, and they're not. Like I, it's one of those things where you're yeah. like, oh, I don't have to. It's like shows that we go to. Sometimes you look at the lineup and you go, why am I on this show? Like I'm better than all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, got a one sixty four on the LSAT though. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't even take it. Oh, really? Yeah, I just was like, I didn't even, I didn't even try to go law. I mean, my GPA was not good. Um, yeah, so like, I that was like basically the drinking. I went to this uh, this big festival, and they had um, it was like a camp out, like a country music festival, like okay. right outside of where I went to school. I'm not really a country music fan, but it was fun when you're drinking. Yeah, it's a big festival. You're right, drinking. Right, right. You're about to graduate. Yeah, so I drank for four days straight, and then on the Sunday, I was like having. I didn't know at the time I was having alcohol withdrawals. Yeah. 
Like nobody else was. I was like shaking. I could have died. I didn't realize that. Like I was shaking. I was it's cold. Bad, yeah. My my heart felt like it was gonna explode, and I didn't really know at the time. I thought I was dehydrated. Um, and then you know, um, you know, a few one thing led to another, and um, just forgot about it. So where the crack stuff takes place is like, yeah. I'm, How did this happen? Right. So I graduated college. I got a job in New York. I got a job. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I got a job right away. Um, and, what were you doing? What was the job? Because um, you majored in political science. So was it? But yeah. then you also said earlier that you had um, you had experience going like door to door and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that was um, my internship in college was not really an internship. I was basically I think it was a ploy to get business. OK, but I was an insurance salesperson. I passed the insurance exam. Yeah. And I went door to door and sold cancer insurance to farmers. OK. And can't, I don't know Kansas. So you were knocking on doors, going to neighborhoods, literally yeah. like residential. Um, and so, so uh, then you graduate, you move to the big city. Yeah, I got a little stupid little uh, job inside sales gig where okay. I was like selling financial stuff. But almost immediately, like when I didn't have that safeguards, I didn't have a, a girlfriend that was like yelling at me and shit at the time, um, you know, forcing me to stay in. I like it, things went off the rails immediately. I got in this. So did you two break up when you moved? We broke up shortly afterwards. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I was, we were still dating, but basically I moved in this apartment. Uh, this is like where the really bad decisions started. Yeah. Let's get in into it. What, where's the apartment? What are we talking so about? So we were looking at two apartments. My dad was going to help me here. Is it going to kind of like help me like navigate it all? Cause I was 22. And so there was an apartment in Bushwick that was like nice. Like yeah. Three rooms. Roommates seemed to be normal people. And then there was a place in Washington Heights. Yeah. And it was like a small room with like a twin bed. But I was like, okay, it's Manhattan. It sounds better. And it's just you. Well, no, it was for four roommates. Or oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like when you lot. said small room, I thought I just assumed. Oh, a tiny was... room with like a bed and uh, moved in there. And then uh, first of all, the place had bed bugs. We didn't Oof. even know what bed bugs were. So I was getting bit all the time and I was itchy and I didn't know like what it was or how to prevent it. Um, and So you just lived in them? I just lived in it for about two months. And the first month I did not make rent. Like the very first month, I didn't make rent. So I was there for like two months, and then I got kicked out. So, oh my God, this is insane. So you move into the place. You're, you you said your dad's helping with you, like finding it and everything. So you get there. You pay your security deposit. You pay the first month's rent. And then the very next month, you don't have rent. I didn't pay rent. I, I wrote a check. It bounced. Did you know it was going to bounce? Yes, of course. Uh, and are you not paying rent? because, Like your job, you could have paid rent. You were just partying so much. I was drinking. I was partying. And yeah, I didn't I didn't really have any concept for con like I remember I went to Chase Bank and I, I like signed up for a credit card. My dad's like, OK, you're graduating college. It's probably a good idea to get a credit card. Yeah. And he's like, just so you know, like this isn't you have to pay this. It's not free money. Yeah. And I swear to God, as soon as he left, I was like. All right, free money. Free money. And so I spent it all, and then I got like another credit card. Do you remember how much the limit was? The first on the one person? was like thirty two hundred. The second one was like two thousand. Damn. But what's was funny was they got progressively lower. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I just kept maxing them out. The reason I say that though is because when I first got credit cards in college, like when I was eighteen, because I had no financial like, yeah, guidance as it were. It was kind of like we graduated high school, and then my parent and to their credit, they were kind of like, all right, like you're a grown up, like figure it out. Um, which I guess now moving to New York by myself, you know, doing all this stuff that I've done on my own, I I'm grateful for them. But at the time I was kind of like, what, like, what the fuck? But I remember getting credit cards as a student and it was like 250 bucks. And then I would go to the bar and just max it out and then just like 
forget about it. I'd literally yeah. give it to the bartender, max it out. Like I'd get like a two hundred dollar tab, and then I'd give him like fifty bucks tip, and be like, "I'm a baller." And then I just literally would just like leave the card there and like walk away and never oh, pay it. That's exact. Like I moved to New York and I did the thing that like probably New Yorkers hate, where it's like I instantly thought I was better than everybody else in the rest of the country. I was like, I live here. I was, I'm making you know I think forty thousand dollars a year. I am <laughs> a fucking balling, and uh, could barely pay my rent. I mean. You couldn't would, pay your rent. I couldn't pay my rent. I didn't pay my rent. That's how I ended up homeless. Yeah. Because you know? then you're like, so then you're like exhausting all your resources. My family weren't, they're not flush with cash. So like yeah. they were like, we can't, we're not going to support you. We so can't, we can't afford it. Did they, and did you end up getting kicked out like immediately? Like when the check bounced, were they like, you're out of here? Or no. did you like stay there for like another month? Because, and because then- I'm like, people like at the time, I mean, still now, and I am a nice guy now, but at the time people were like, you seem like a good guy. Even when yeah. people were mad at me, they'd be like, I know you're a good guy. I Yeah. I just talked about this at a meeting the other day about how the reason I got so many chances was because people were like, listen, man, we've been around you when you're like lucid and sober and you're a great person. But when yeah. you get fucked up, you destroy everything. Well, and it was, I was taking advantage of that and it was almost, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I mean like they were like, I was like, yeah, I'm a nice guy. So give me a chance. And I mean, of course, you call my ex fiance. She knows exactly what that's uh, like. I mean, the level of, of psychotic manipulation that I was yeah. able to attribute back then. Like Same I would boat, call man. my brother and I'd be, I was on some psych meds at the time, you know, cause like, like the, just had like crazy behavior because of drinking yeah i'm not on a medication now but at the time and i'd call my brother and i'd be like max you know I'm, i need 200 dollars for my medic- medicine you know and he'd feel guilty he'd start crying because i'd be like i'm gonna go crazy i, I'm gonna, I might kill myself yeah and i'd say like stuff like that just to get the money for the drugs and the alcohol yeah and you're having your brother who you love who you spend every day of your life with crying on the phone with you and i'm like Yes. And you know, you know, what's funny. Got him. <laughs> Got him. You know, what was really funny though. I didn't have a bank account. You didn't have this a bank. The, account. This is the level of like, of, of like, like just straight, like, like hood shit. I ended up doing. I didn't have a bank account. So I'd have people Western union me money. Oof. So I was like, going to Western union. They would have to drive to a Walgreens or something. Yeah. And like do it. Like you can't just Venmo money. it over, which the only, there's two reasons people do that. They're, they just got out of prison or they're in prison or they don't have a bank account for yeah. So I would go and I'd have this cash and then I had a cash card where you would go to a check cashing place. Yeah. So I was going through periods of, of employment where I didn't have a bank account, so I had to cash my check at like one of these random check cashing places and they'd pay like they'd take like ten percent or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Take a lot of it. And then yeah, so that was how I was doing it. And then um just, So how long did you stay in that first apartment with bed bugs? Two months. Okay. Yeah, it was like two months and I left all my shit there. So then they kick you out, but you just left all your I shit. I left all my shit, and I was a month to month lease anyway. So they took my last month's rent, and he was like pissed or whatever. Yeah, and I was. There was a guy there. He was like a baker. He was like a real kind of kind of a real aggressive like European like guy. He was yeah. like he like uh, he he just was a he used to be in finance and had to be a baker for some reason. <laughs> I don't remember the story, but he hated me. Like he wanted to kill me, and so I didn't pay rent. I was messy. I was eating his food. That's a common theme when I had roommates. I was I would always eat their food. Yeah. Uh, when I was drinking and then, yeah, I got kicked out and then, um, found another place temporarily, similar situation, you know, bullshitted the interview with him and, you know, so I got kicked out. So then I was homeless. I was staying in an abandoned building in Brighton beach. And, okay. um, that's when the heart more hardcore drugs started. Yeah. How did that end up happening? Well, because like you're broke and like, you know, I was staying in an abandoned building in Brighton beach with a bunch of Russian homeless people. Yeah. Um, where there was like spray paint on the walls. It looked like something you'd see like 
people in Batman where like, yeah. he's like going through his like Gotham, spray paint yeah. on the wall. There's like Russian people. They're all like sketch. So when you say an abandoned building, because I've had friends, this happened in LA. I listened to obviously a lot of comics and podcasts and stuff based in LA. So I've heard stories about like, you know, oh, I found an abandoned building, but it was only abandoned, quote unquote, because like a pipe broke. So the city condemned it, but it was still like a pretty decent building. No, it's just the water like, didn't work. There was no water. Like there was no like um, ba- working bathroom. There was no heat. There was okay. No so it was like a full on bana- abandoned building. It was probably condemned for similar reasons and yeah. just ne- the, the owners of the building never took care of it. Took care of it. So I was living there for a long time with a bunch of other homeless people, Russians. And then, yeah, that's when the drugs got introduced. So what are you doing on a daily basis when you're living there? I mean, I was going. Are you still I was, good working? Well, I was like getting fired and, and applying and getting fired to jobs. Yeah, because I could pull it together for the interview. So, so I were would, you like getting hired, like working like a day or two, and then getting fired? No, I was like a. It's kind of you don't. It's tough to get fired that quickly. Yeah, that's um, what I thought. That's why I was like, <laughs> maybe like a month or three at a time. Every three months or so, I get yeah. a job because like I'd be on probation. It was sales gigs, so they yeah. were like, so I think I worked for like fourteen different companies. Damn, it was a lot. Uh, before I got sober, I worked for fourteen different companies. And so I'd be at a job for a little while. I'd be homeless. I'd be doing heroin uh, at night, and then I'd need a pickup, so I'd chug vodka and smoke crack. There on, you go. On the way to work, to 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 wake myself up. Fuck yeah, man! It's <laughs> the best way to wake yourself up. If I didn't have crack, I would chug vodka. And if I did, if I and then heroin was obviously like the go-to. Yeah. Well, that's a that's the night night stuff because yeah, that was the fun stuff. It'll put you out. So you're staying in this abandoned building, yeah. And I I remember one time. I was on the train. I didn't have I didn't have boxers, but I also didn't have underwear. I was like just like really like just just like totally out of it. I had a hole in my crotch. Oh And shit. one of my balls was hanging out of the hole. And on the train. On the train. And then there's this old black lady that's just going to work that's just staring at me in disbelief. Yeah. Because one of my entire testicles is just out, and I'm like all like just kind of doing the nod, like the heroin thing. You know? And this is on the way to work. This is like on a random train. I okay. Don't even remember where I was going? I just remember this so specifically. How did you figure out that your ball was out? Because I felt a breeze. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. As I it always know. happens. I didn't notice, and then I looked down, and I was like, oh shit. But then I tried to play it cool. I was like, I actually, I pretended. I was like, you, you got to own this. Yeah, this so I just is your kept thing. It, kept it going. You have to own this. <laughs> I was, I was like, what I was thinking about. I was like, I was like, I think, I think this is like what I have to. I think I just need to like do this. Yeah. Uh, like so that that way she doesn't think I'm like it was a mistake. Like, did you have any crazy like anything crazy happen with the Russians that you were living with? They would like, um, yeah, they would get into fights. Did you keep to yourself or like I'm trying to figure out like how this works. So like you walk into the building and is it like a building like an apartment building with rooms and stuff? They or called is me it... fat boy because I was initially I was fat. They were like they were like they were like um, they, they were just. Oh, to put it out in the fat boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like don't don't pick on the fat kid. He's, he's eaten enough today. And I like ended up losing a lot of weight. My first moved in there. I was kind of fat. Yeah. I was kind of like a little fatter than I am now. So yeah. you were f- <laughs> you were fat when you moved in from eating all your roommates food. And then you got skinny from the crack cocaine. Yeah, that I, when I when I moved to Austin, I see pictures of myself. And I was like, that's like the skinniest I ever was. When you and went to Austin? Yeah, when I went to Austin. And so what happened? So you obviously have a phone and stuff. So you're just literally just kind of like found a place to sleep. Well, I didn't really have a phone a lot of the time. Oh, really? Yeah, I had. Like, I just figured you had one for work. And I had stuff. a like Wi-Fi. You know, like you connect to Wi-Fi. Yeah. And you would message people. So I would do like the. T- I would go. I would lose my phone. You know, I got arrested a couple times too. Anything crazy? Um, drunk and disorderly. I'm assuming. I got a. I got a r- big trouble in Texas. Um, but in in uh, it was here. It was I got in a taxi and didn't have money. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, I was like, I'm just gonna 
get in this taxi and I'll talk my way out of it. That's yeah. how full of shit I That's was. That's not. No, I got arrested for that. Um, and then um, it, what was funny about that was I was in the jail cell with this guy that had just robbed the bodega. I was like, we're the same, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so, obviously, it was a little out of my comfort zone. Um, a few more times for slicks, petty theft, things like yeah. that. You know, I would panhandle the MTA stuff. Um, yeah. Like by the MTA, and they would, I would get in trouble for that. Things like that, hopping the, you know, unpaid tickets. And then when I went to Austin, I so was you, like fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So you call your friend and you're like, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I, I'm going to come to Austin. And then how did you get the plane ticket? Just use your money for that? No, I think that was like my last ditch, like call the family. Like I need, okay. I need, I need to get out of here. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I went to Austin. Um, I, and I, the full intention of like, I had a job lined up insurance sales gig, mm-hmm. which like a hundred percent commission, but I went there and you know, my friend, I went immediately started drinking, she showed up. I was wasted. So you had no intention of like going there sober. No, I, I, I didn't you go just there wanted to, to change get sober. The scenery, yeah. yeah I, that was like the geographic look, you know, like, yeah, the oh, geographic area. Yeah. So I went to Austin, um, immediately got wasted when I first went there. I, I'd stopped doing the hardcore drugs, yeah. um, you know, whatever. I kind of kicked off of those um, prior, and then I was drinking a lot. And then um, when I moved to Austin, yeah, I did that. Um, I actually didn't – I wasn't able to start the job because I had a pending case in New York for a theft charge. Oh, shit. So, like, one of the other, like, charges I got out here. So I they said, you failed the background check. I'm sorry, yeah. you know. So I didn't work for, like, three months. I was living with this roommate at the time. I found a place, um, and she was, like, just as bad, if not worse, of an alcoholic than I was, although yeah. she was, like, much more responsible as a person. Yeah. So we were drinking. <laughs> it's funny how that happens. <laughs> yeah, like, she would take a shot of whiskey when she'd wake up, and I'd be like, well, let me at least eat breakfast first. Yeah. You know? um, well, I yeah, I just mean it from the perspective of, like, I knew people who could fucking go. Oh, she was paying rent. Like yeah, but then the they'd job. go. But then they'd get up and go to work. And she, I'm like, aren't you hungover? They're like, yeah, but I still have to go to work. She carried a water bottle filled with whiskey everywhere she, I mean, everywhere she went, and I would get drink with her. And I was like, transition. I was sleeping on the couch because yeah. this guy was moving out. He like did a mail order bride, so he was like, this weird Asian woman that was living there too. And um, like, just she just hated him, and they would have like sex too when you'd hear it, and it would just sound depressing. Yeah, because you wouldn't hear any noise; it'd just be the squeaking of the bed. It'd just be like, I don't think anybody's having a good time. Anymore. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. that's how it's supposed to happen. So um, I would get wasted with her, and then I would get so blacked out that I ended up. I would just piss in the closet. Oh shit! Like it was like one of those stumbling around. Like yeah. I was just stumbling over drunk at that. Point. Who hasn't been there? Right. I mean, you know, I, I peed on her dog food and like couldn't tell her about it. You know, I, my roommate, the guy whose room I was taking had to sadly clean up my piss. Like I pissed in the closet because he was desperately trying to get out of that lease. Yeah. So I pissed in the closet. I pissed in the garbage can. Like and he was having to clean this thing. God. So, yeah. So um, I did basically ended up stealing her rent money. I didn't pay rent. So I ended up um, saying, hey, look. I have the money for rent. Why don't you give me cash and I'll get a check and I'll hand it in uh, as we were about to get shortly get evicted. So, um, we've all seen grandma's boy. Yeah. So then I give you money for rent every month. <laughs> That's what it was. And so I ended up getting caught up. She moved out. I got sober about three months into living there. I went and got okay. sober at like, a. I stayed 30 days at basically a homeless shelter to get out of that situation. Okay. That's what I was going to ask is because, so how long did you get 
before you guys got evicted. We didn't get evicted, so I ended up like asking it. Well, I mean, so I asked a friend for money. Okay. Then I spent that. So, but this is the reason I ask is because I find these these situations very interesting to be honest because like i've heard like in florida it's not it's a very like you don't it's not a right to work state like it's very like the the tenants don't have a lot of rights but then i moved to new york and everyone's like oh yeah if like you're in a place for longer if like if you get mail there they can't kick you out like it's a whole thing so i'm interested in austin like so you don't you literally she gives you the cash the first month you're there and you just don't pay the rent yeah we got so the the way it works there and i'm very familiar because this happened to us three times say yeah. yeah (laughs) <laughs> three times yeah yeah so they they'll initially send you a letter to vacate yeah which you don't have to basically you don't have to vacate but like you have to leave in three days um but they don't then you get two weeks plus all these fees to pay rent otherwise they'll file the eviction in court yeah the court date for the eviction will maybe be a month or so down the line so it takes a few months they filed the eviction the police came and gave like they sued us basically yeah. and she was pissed she thought she thought i paid rent yeah and all of a sudden an eviction notice on the door yeah which is scum definitely uh, on my part uh scummy behavior yeah um and so i mean she gave she handed you a thousand bucks cash or however much i got some tattoos i had a good time yeah i mean that's a lot (laughs) yeah um so is i still have that addictive behavior obviously because the alcohol is merely a symptom but i still like when i because i put money aside from every check for rent because rent is a lot in new york um and sometimes, like when it's like the twenty six, and I look at that my rent account, I'm like, "That's, a, that's you know, I could I could travel a little bit yeah. with that." Yeah, I mean, I, th- I have that thought too. But then I'm like, still. "No, pay your rent, you piece of shit." But I'm <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Ah, "I could." <laughs> that's only ever happened one time where we lived in a place, and uh, this was the last place I lived with my old roommates. And even though we had a co-signer, if you didn't pay rent by the third, they would send you that uh, that notice that you're talking about. On they would put it on the door. And then um, my roommates were freaking out and they were like, hey, dude, you have to pay rent. And I was like, ah, like, I'll get to it. It's our last month here anyway. And we didn't pay last month. We just paid first in security. So I was like, I'll get to it. And then I just I was like, it's our last month. What are they going to do? Evict us. And we were going to leave and we checked the mailbox and there was a big stack of like legal dot like they had filed for eviction. Even though it was our last month and we were on our way out. So yeah. then my mom ended up paying because she was the co-signer. She ended up paying my portion of the rent. But still, I was like, that's the closest I've ever come was like that. I was very close. And um, like after even after I'd gotten sober. So I got in a lot of trouble um, legally in Texas. I ended up spending a year in jail. Oh, really? Yeah. So I got, was that because of the rent stuff? Or? It was no, it was it was. Like I mean, it's all it's all like it's none of it is public record okay. because of some some like yeah uh, yeah we don't have to talk some about legal it. stuff but basically what I got arrested was um, uh, possession. You're being uh, a little rascal. Yeah, it was possession, uh, theft of a, of a vehicle, so uh, grand, grand theft auto, and then assaulting a police officer. <laughs> 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 and I don't remember any of it, um, but uh, legally that's not I'm, I'm I have not a felon legally. Yeah. If I apply for the FBI, they would not hire me but yeah they can see it but they can regular it, people yeah. can't but regular people can't <clears throat> so, so then that happens this is before you get sober yeah obviously because you, right? you don't remember yeah so then and then then that's when i ended up living in the roommate situation and then that's you know then i ended up getting sober three months into that so basically um when i got sober initially i i 
I just my life was like totally in shambles. My credit score was in the three hundreds. Yeah, mine too. As mm-hmm. low as it can go, which three eighty five. Literally, CarMax laughed me out of the place. They said nobody's going to give you a car with this, and so I had to learn how to be like a functioning human. Yeah, you know. So I mean, you get it. Like I had to get a job, and that's where the door to door business to business okay. sales came in. I sold water machines, like water filtration to businesses. Yeah, um, and I learned how to do it. And I just struggled. I couldn't pay my rent on time. Um, I, you know, my family wasn't talking to me for a long time, you know, and I just was like slowly, but surely, you know, and then by the time that I had started doing stand up, you know, my life was looking better. I was, yeah. I, I had a state, a relatively stable income. I had a place to my own, but the concept of moving to New York or living in LA and doing this, it, it never occurred that that was something that would actually happen. Yeah. You know, it was just happenstance. And now like once you get that bug for stand up. It's like nothing else. It seems silly sometimes if you really think about it that like this matters so much to us. But yeah. to most people, it's like a comedy is like a C option for them. It's it's literally something they just scroll by on Instagram. Like, I, I guess and we're I, like, this know. is our whole lives. <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh, the movie sold out. Like, do you want to see go to comedy? And they're just like, mm, fine, uh, fine, you know, fine. <laughs> yeah, it is. And we've dedicated our entire lives, our to entire it. lives. Yeah. So. Uh, so that's 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 essentially like I know we talked initially about how I ended up in New York, but I mean the the from twenty two that was all like a three year period. Yeah. So like all the drinking and drugging and stuff. So like it wasn't like for a lot of people they were like it was eased into it for me as soon as I graduated college, zero to one hundred. Yeah, and then like right away. And then you went from 100 to zero. I went from 100 to zero. Now my life is pretty boring outside of stand-up. Yeah. You know? I say the same thing, but I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't either, yeah. Dude, I, the anxiety I get now about... It's so funny because the anxiety I get now, like... Because, yeah, sometimes I still pay rent a little late, you know, because I got to wait for my check to come in and, and shit like that still happens. But it's so much less than literally I used to not even be close to having rent back in Florida and I would call I work in this in restaurants in the service industry so the weekends are your money makers and I would call out sick an entire weekend like it'll be like the 26th the 27th the 28th and I don't even have like I maybe have $200 to my name and rents like 800 bucks and I'm like I'll figure it out like that anxiety that is I so th- much okay, worse so you brought up something that is really I think crucial to people who might not understand why somebody would do this yeah I I was always like I'll figure it out tomorrow. Yeah. And then tomorrow it would come and you'd be like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? Clearly I'll figure it yeah, out yeah. tomorrow. And then tomorrow would come and you'd be like, oh shit. Yeah. You know, like the anxiety of all that. And then it's just, you get caught in that cycle where it's like, I'll worry about it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and you're like, fuck, I don't have it. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll worry about it tomorrow. And then it just, you get stuck in this circle. What was the restaurant you worked at in Florida? Uh, so I started it out back when I was 18 and then I worked at uh, Ruth's Chris, and then when I got sober, I start, or when I got sober, I started working at Morton's, and then Ruth Chris because I started. Me and Savannah were dating, and she was the manager, so I had to move restaurants. But and so now that's the fancy steakhouse. Yeah, yeah. So I so Ruth Chris and uh, Mort, Morton's is I top tier, and then Ruth Chris is at like a level below that. And then when I first started working for Outback, it was a real steakhouse, and then they went public and kind of went Blue way down. Blue and onion. I'm a good. Pig. I'm still the voice of if you call the Palm Coast Outback. I'm still that. Oh, I was for a long time the voice. When you'd call up, it would go 
G'day, mate. Thanks for calling out back, Steakhouse, Palm Coast. Yeah, that's actually a pretty convincing accent. Thank you. Yeah, I yeah. say I say it all the time on stage, but like in Florida, nobody cares. But when I move to New York, I go, hey, guys, I'm a voice actor, just so you know, because I have that one credit of the yeah, Outback yeah. on fucking Palm Coast Drive. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on, dude. Yeah, thanks for having this me. This was a blast. Plug everything one more time. Shows, yeah, just Instagram. Yeah, follow me on Instagram, uh, Samuel Bilski, and then I, I run a show in L.A. and, and New York called Fat Set Comedy. Um, fat set comedy. Phat. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to be fat to be on on the show. Fat set comedy. Um, and um, you know, I like to use antiquated uh, slang from yeah. the 1980s. Hell yeah, uh, it's on my shows. Um, and I'm trying to think anything else. I mean, yeah, I have a stupid website that you can check out. It's not up to date, but maybe this will motivate me to do it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, dude, for coming on. This was a blast. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. At BrennanTComedy.com, BrennanTComedy on all social media. Check out the uh, one-man show, X Drinking Buddy, uh, and we'll talk to you all next week. 